welcome to the Downhouse podcast, where you can learn more about Downhouse School. In this series, we spotlight areas of the school which our listeners have told us they would like to know more about. Today, we spotlight the Futures Department, a large team of specialist staff who support and advise pupils on higher education, careers and other exciting pathways and opportunities after Downhouse. Our host, Simon Jones, speaks to Mrs. Sarah Barnard, Director of Futures, with pupils Amy, Anya and Izzy, all in the upper sixth or year 13. So we're here today with Mrs. Sarah Barnard, with Amy, with Anya and with Izzy. But we're going to start off talking to yourself, first of all, Sarah. Hello, how are you? Hi, I'm very good, thanks. Nice to meet you. Good, nice to meet you too. Well, thank you for being here. It's good to talk to you. Uh, You're Director of Futures here at Downhouse. First of all, tell us what the Futures Programme is at Downhouse. So uh, the Futures Programme starts in year seven and goes all the way through to year 13. Obviously, it becomes much more focused in years 11, 12 and 13, where the girls are starting to consider their options beyond Downhouse. Um, But we also want to introduce uh, our pupils to the world of careers and life beyond academic study from a very early age. So we have things in year seven, like take your daughter to work day. And then we kind of culminate in year 13 with a very, very bespoke programme that covers students applying overseas to university, to Oxbridge, uh, apprenticeships uh, and the traditional university route as well. So for the sake of people listening to this, I imagine that when we were at school ourselves, then we may have called this role a a careers advisor. Exactly. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. But I think we wanted something that was more encompassing of actually modern society and the idea that, you know, careers are changing and these guys can expect to probably have several career changes and need to kind of be thinking about their futures all the time. That's really interesting. So we're going to be hearing from the girls in a moment on that. But first of all, you mentioned about career changes there. And of course, maybe, what, 50 years ago, people would have left school and would have been on a path to having one career. Maybe people who are the parents of the children these days, maybe they've had two careers, but typically you're expecting children who are leaving school in the next few years to have more than one, more than two careers? Three, four. I mean, obviously some of this is being recognised in the fact that, you know, there's going to be lifelong learning grants and things like that. So old crusties like ourselves will be able to still access, you know, funding if we want to suddenly take a, you know, complete career diversion. Um, But yeah, the ability to kind of be reactive and also the ability to see what might be helpful in the future is going to be hugely important. Mm, mm. I think they're predicting something like a whole tranche of jobs. I mean, like 20% of jobs we won't even know about that will exist in 2025. Well, if you think about that, that's a very, very quick turnaround in three years to think that you need to be planning what you don't know. Gosh, so how do we go about doing that right now? If if you're talking to some of the girls here at Down House, then 2025, that's two, three years away from now. How do you talk to them about that? I think it's about them thinking about what skills they've got as well as just about what academic knowledge they've got. Mm -hmm. And, you know, throughout school and what we do in the futures department, but also in line with what goes on in the houses pastorally, what goes on with tutors, we're trying to get them to think about their portfolio of skills beyond just an exam result. One of the things you mentioned earlier was apprenticeships. And whenever I think about an apprenticeship, maybe this is just from when I was at school myself, but but I, I think of a mechanic in a garage and that kind of thing. Is, is that what we're talking about here or is it different to how I viewed it? Well, there's a there's a whole range of apprenticeships and it is a slightly, I think, unfortunate terms in many respects. So, oh. I mean, I'm a historian, so I mean, it's got very kind of, you know, connotations from, from that point of view. Um, but I mean, there are degree apprenticeships, which is, you know, what we're trying to sort of think about introducing to our students where they would be doing a degree course alongside actually earning 
rather a magnificent salary from 18. Mm. Um, and they are highly competitive. I think one of the kind of misconceptions is that they're not competitive and not particularly for those who are academically able, which is not the case at all. Um, many of the law and finance, just to name two apprenticeships, you're looking at three, four A stars that they're they're wanting and they're getting six, seven hundred applicants for five places. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's very different then, isn't it? But despite that, you're expecting more people to go to university than to take up apprenticeships? I think at the moment, yes. I think some of it's about getting information out there about the different options. And as a department, that's something that we're very much looking at, you know, how are we going to present these different options that are becoming available? Because it's a learning curve for us as well. And of course, you mentioned that all of this starts from Remove, all of the work that you do here starts with the girls when they join the school in, in year seven. Why is it important to, to start right back from then? I think because we ultimately want them to be able to make the best possible decision for them. Uh, and in the nicest possible way, they're, they're teenagers and they may well go through through many changes. And so the more information that they have from an earliest possible age, then hopefully they're ultimately making a considered decision. Mm. And actually, in terms of the British schooling system, GCSEs and A-levels do mean that you can sometimes make decisions at an early stage that may then prohibit things that you want to do later. Mm. So we're always trying to counteract that element as well. So now we're going to find out from Izzy whether or not that's actually true, what Mrs. Barnard has been saying. <laughs> Izzy, hello, how are you, first good, of all? thank you. Yeah, I'm well. Good, good. Tell us which A-levels you're doing here. I do politics, economics and Italian. Okay, Italian, that sounds interesting. Yeah. And are you a day girl or are you boarding here? I'm a day girl here. You're a day girl. Okay, so Mrs. Barnard was talking about the support that, that that's given to the girls. It all sounds great hearing that from a parent point of view. I'm a, I'm a parent myself. Mm -hmm. Is that really what it's like? I mean, tell me about the support that you've received here at Downhouse. Yeah, no, I think Mrs. Barnard's got it spot on because... Obviously, it starts all the way from year seven up to year 13, but there's more emphasis put on it from years, I'd say, 11 to 13. But, you know, for the past three years, I'd say, so we have a tutor all the way through the school and they, they change when you get to sixth form. But the discussions become more focused on what you're planning on doing for your A-levels and then what you're planning on doing for university. And so you have discussions with them. And then you also move to having discussions with one-on-one -on -one meetings with the futures department about, mm -hmm. you know, your personal statement, how to write it, what to put in it. And um, I know that when I was writing my personal statement, which we've already sent off, uh, I had a lot of moving back and forward between my tutor and the futures department, rewriting my personal statement, checking it was perfect until it was ready to send. And I think that's really helpful because it was really giving you that reassurance you need before you're you know, applying to the universities you want to go to. So it sounds like the Futures Department and your tutor are very much tying in with each other then. Yeah, definitely. I think they communicate a lot with each other and Miss uh, <laughs> Barnard's nodding, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, you have to do a lot of, you correspond with both of them because they both, they help you with different things to do with your future education. Mm. Okay, so tell us what you're planning on doing next year then after you leave Downhouse. I'm planning on taking a gap year, but I've applied to... Um, UK universities to go the year after that. Okay. And which universities are you looking at? Durham, Edinburgh, Exeter, Bristol and Newcastle. Okay. They're all good universities. And tell us a bit more then about how the school has supported you with those applications to those universities. Yeah, I think it starts from quite early on. And I talked a lot to both my subject teachers because I want to do politics um, and IR international relations at university mm -hmm. talked a lot to my subject teachers and my tutor and obviously the future department about what I needed to like we get our predicted grades in the summer term of uh, year 12 so you you get those and then you have to have discussions about what's you know 
attainable for you and what courses you should go for. And you get a lot of advice on that. And also um, in the summer term last year, we had a personal statement writing workshop, which was really useful because it started the process early, probably the hardest bit of the process, I'd mm. say. Mm-hmm. And they just like start the ball roll- rolling then and you get a lot of advice with that. No, it sounds good. It sounds really good. Well, we're going to hear from Amy now, who's sat next to Izzy. Amy, first of all, tell us what you're planning on doing next year. I'm planning on going to university, so hopefully I'll be there next year this time. Okay. And which ones are you looking at right now? I've applied to both UK and US. So in the UK, I've applied to Durham, LSE, UCL, Kings and Manchester. Mm -hmm. And those are all for like a mix of management and international management. For the US, I've applied to Cornell for early decision, which is like a binding agreement. And I've also sent off my Californian, California schools applications for UCLA, UC Santa Barbara, UC Berkeley, UC San Diego and UC Irvine. Yeah, okay, right. Fantastic. So all good places. And the fact that you're looking at international, tell us how the school has helped you with those international applications. Because I imagine that for a, for a number of schools around the UK, it's relatively straightforward to, to help people for UK schools, but international is very different, surely. Yeah, very different. Um, for me personally, I always really wanted to apply overseas, specifically to the US. And um, I've always had talks with Miss Barnard, who was my housemistress at the time, about this. So it was really convenient, even for other friends that I know who are applying overseas or just were thinking of applying to whatever universities. They had a lot of support early on down the school, just talking to their housemistresses too. So I found that really helpful and As Izzy said earlier, starting from upper five, when the concentration gets put more on higher education, um, I had a lot of talks. I went to meet Miss Barnard for the first time to talk about how I could prepare for my US application. So I think for the US application, there was quite a lot of emphasis on extracurriculars alongside having really good grades. Mm. So we kind of discussed what I could be doing and how I could expand my activities list to really fit into the profile of these top schools and what they were all looking for. I think for the US, fit is a really big deal. So I think um, at the beginning, when I first started meeting with Barnard, we talked a lot through what universities would be fit for me. And the careers team actually knows a lot about all the students in the year who are thinking of applying and they get to kind of know the students from housemistresses, but also just through their time at Downhouse so far. So I think um, Spa and I really got into details of discussing what universities would be fit for me and where I think I would have a really well-spent four years of life after Downhouse. So That's fantastic. It's really good to hear that. And, and it's good to see Mrs. Barnard smiling and nodding at the same time as you talking. And did Downhouse prepare you for all of those entrance exams in the States? Yeah, um, I received SAT training at school. It was an online course that I would do. I think it took like a term's length to prepare for. So I would have a meeting every Wednesday in the week. And um, a lot of other people in the year also took part in it. So we would kind of just go through the different sections. So for the SAT, there's a writing section and there's also a math section. The techniques that they use to go through these questions because it's really fast paced um, was trying to focus on how to get the answers quickly, which is very different to how we approach A-level maths, I think. So um, there was a lot of focus on that. And I received a lot of support on that. Even though I was overseas for a part of the course, I still found it really easy to kind of talk to the tutor who was hosting it. 
So even though I actually applied test optional for university in the US, um, but I was scheduled to take the ACT in the summer, but that was delayed because of some flight flight issues and other problems that came up but I still felt really well prepared and in the practice tests that I took I ended up getting really good scores so I think that was largely thanks to the program that I took. That's really good to hear and it's great that you had all of that great preparation and now we've got Anya. So Anya we've heard from Izzy who's planning on taking a year out, we've heard from Amy who's planning on what well, possibly going overseas. What are your plans this time next year? So I've applied to Oxford. I actually had my second interview today out of Ooh. two interviews. So Okay, and how did that go? You're never sure with these things. I think that's the point of the Oxford interviews as a whole. Mm -hmm. However, I did feel more relaxed than I anticipated. And I think this is due to all the support you get, especially with when you're applying to Oxford from the Futures programme. So right from the beginning of Lower Sixth, there's an Oxbridge programme, which is open to anyone who even has an inkling that they may want to apply there for university. So you get a subject specialist. Um, so I had STEM and then I had chemistry. So I had two tutors who I could go to to help support me in that. And you also, in the upper sixth, in the MIC term, you get a lot of mock interview practice, which mm -hmm. I think is really key and has really, really helped build my confidence because you don't know what to expect. And even when you have the interview, it's not what you expect. You still have prepared for it thanks to all the support. So we had um, an interview exchange with some local schools, which was really helpful because it was with teachers that, you know, I'd never met before. There is also interview prep. Because I know, for example, I've applied to Imperial and to Manchester. For Manchester, I had to do an interview. And it was sort of tutorial-based, but it was also personal statement-based, which I know a lot of most unis who do interview are mostly personal statement-based. So I had a lot of preparation for that. So I think the whole of the support from the lower sixth had really culminated in me feeling my best for the interview. I'm feeling as prepared as I could be. One of the things you mentioned there was confidence. Do you find that the preparation that you had from school then, from the Futures programme, helped you to feel more confident? And if so, do you find that that will have helped you in situations like today? I think a lot of the confidence I have um, comes from knowing that I really enjoy my subject and knowing that I understand my subject and know about it. That does come from the teachers. However, definitely at the beginning of the lowest sixth, the Futures Department are well aware that people don't know what they want to do at university. However, one thing that I really am grateful for is that they tell you to do extra reading around subjects you might find interesting or useful, or if you have an inkling, if that's what you want to do at university, they tell you, they encourage you to go out and read around it. They give you lots of resources like Coursera and FutureLearn. We have in the lower sixth HERS lectures, which are just really good because it's only about an hour out of your Friday and an expert in a field comes in and talks about something and that can really help point you in a direction of where you want to go. So, yeah, the confidence comes from all the support you, that you've been given so that you sort of know that you know what you're doing mm. because you've had a lot of time to refine it. 
Anya, that's really good to hear. Thank you very much. We're going to hear back from you now, Sarah. Been hearing some great things from the girls here. I mean, it sounds like what you've been talking about beforehand does actually happen because they're validating everything that you said. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good to hear. Now, some of the universities that they're all talking about, they're all fantastic universities. Tell us a little bit more about that. So obviously, um, the girls are prepared academically to aim high. Um, and, you know, we're very, very fortunate that they work very hard and end up achieving very, very good results. Um, one of the things that we spend time doing is making sure that they're aware of the best university for their particular subject field, which actually may not always be the most obvious university. Mm. Um, you know, and, you know, somewhere like Loughborough, which may not be great for history, as speak as a historian, is fantastic for engineering and business. Um, but our students may not necessarily know that, obviously. So what what, you know, Amy was talking about it in respect of the US because it's a very kind of US phrase, this idea of fit. Mm -hmm. But that's very much what we're trying to encourage as we move forward. Um, and, you know, most years, the top universities that our students will be going to are places like Bristol, Edinburgh, Durham, St. Andrews. Um, but also some of it's also about finding the right university for the individual as well. And also we heard about the importance of one to one tutoring. Tell us a bit more about that and how that works here at Downhouse. I think the thing with the one-to-one -one tutoring is that it starts right down in um, year seven mm -hmm. um, and they have the same tutor in year seven and year eight. It changes for years nine, 10 and 11 and changes for sixth form. So you're getting this real focus of somebody who understands what it's like to deal with a student who is that age. Mm. Um, and also I'm a tutor as well. You know, as a tutor, you're able to bring in, I suppose, a little bit of your own professionalism uh, and, and guide students. And I think the nice thing is that given the kind of community we are, although they're one-to-one -one tutorials, particularly in sixth form, I don't find it that unusual that sometimes one of my tutees might turn up and say, oh, is it okay if so-and-so pops along next weekend with you to sort of, you know, mm. also kind of extract information? Mm. And you'll do that on different levels in terms you might do it because it's somebody who's got a subject knowledge or it's somebody who's got a particular interest. But it allows you to build up a rapport and you're asking Anya about confidence. I hope it also helps the students to feel that we've got confidence in them, mm -hmm. um, you know, and that they can go on to achieve what they hope to achieve. Well, it all sounds really encouraging. It sounds like you're doing a great thing here. If anybody's listening to this and they wanted to find out more about it, is the best really, they get in really touch with you? Really, really happy to get in touch with me. Yeah, I mean, one of the things we really like doing is talking about what we do as well, you know, and I hope that, you know, we're able to enthuse the students that it's an area that we really enjoy because we do spend a lot of time going out and finding out more about courses, new opportunities, um, and just really trying to make sure that we're as informed as possible. Mm. Mm. Fantastic. Well, Sarah, thank you very much for your time. It's been really good talking to you. Thank you. It's been nice talking to you as well. And girls, been great talking to you both as well. Thank, thank you. you very much. <laughs> thank you. Bye for now. So that's it for this episode. To find out more, check out the school's website, downhouse.net. And our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.